The Midwest Crime Files is an unscripted true crimes podcast. In it, we discuss heinous crimes and how they are committed. Viewer discretion is advised. episode of our eighth season we are going to go to Kalamazoo Michigan so a little bit of a bigger area not not quite the small towns that we cover sometimes um we live in such a rural area where things like uber or even doordash like they don't really service our area (laughs) right like i think you can order but more than likely you're never going to get it Unless there's like a thousand dollar tip on it, it seems like. Right, right. So like it's just not a thing around here. But like if we go to the city for something or we're flying out of state, whatever it might be, we might end up taking Ubers around. Um, I've certainly done it hundreds and hundreds of times. And, you know, I'm sure most of you listeners have as well. How do you really know, though, who it is picking you up? You don't. You don't. You really don't know. And that proved to be a pretty dangerous problem in 2016. On the afternoon of February 20th, Matt Mellon called an Uber in Kalamazoo, Michigan. He looked at his app, you know, and it'll show like that what the driver's name is and what they're driving and sometimes a picture. So he was looking for a Chevy Equinox. It got there. He felt pretty comfortable. The driver was a middle-aged man. He had his dog in the back seat. So Matt actually sat in the passenger seat. Within minutes, though, of their drive, things took a turn. The driver, 45-year-old Jason Dalton, suddenly started driving fast and erratically. He was driving between 75 and 80 miles an hour, weaving in and out of traffic lanes, nearly hitting innocent people. Um, I cannot even imagine how scary that would be to be in that vehicle. Well, it kind of reminds me of like, just like suspense movies. Yeah. Where like the driver just like, what, you want to die today? You want to die today? And just. Right. Just ridiculous. But that was just the beginning of what would be a terrible night in the town of Kalamazoo. Matt was terrified, and he said later that he thought about punching the driver. He um, started pointing to random houses and saying, oh, drop me off here. That's my friend's house, you know, trying to get him to just, like, let him out of the car. Mm -hmm. Um, But he wouldn't stop. And actually, at one point, he hit a vehicle, causing some significant damage to his Equinox. And Matt said, you just hit that car. And he said that Jason responded, no, I didn't, and just kept driving. Jason eventually slowed down enough that Matt jumped from the passenger seat and rolled onto the ground. I mean, it's been like, that's an intrusive thought that's kind of came through my head every once in a while. It's like, oh, what if I just like tuck and roll right now? Like to be put in a situation where I'd actually have to tuck and roll. Right. Like, hell no. I can't imagine anything more terrifying. Right. And such a lack of control. Within seconds, Jason sped off in the Equinox. Matt immediately called 911 and reported his Uber driver 
as behaving erratically and that he was a danger. The dispatcher basically told him that they could be on the lookout, but other than that, there wasn't anything they could do. So they put a lookout for this equinox. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, there's not much you can do, you know? Like, right. I mean, you would think since he hit a vehicle, they could make a report. Oh, well, I'm sure they would make a report, but you have to, like, you have to have the vehicle to make the report. Yeah. You know? So, Matt then called Uber's 24-hour hotline to report the incident, and he says that it took him over an hour to reach somebody, even though Uber says they have 24-7 customer service, and at that point, it was too late. Despite the call made by Matt, Jason was able to continue to accept new Uber passengers. Okay. So... After leaving the area, Jason Dalton went home briefly before heading out to pick up yet another Uber fare. Despite several people, including Matt Mellon, calling 911, the Uber driver continued to operate. A little after 5 o'clock that evening, Jason headed to the Richland Township apartment complex to pick up a passenger. Unfortunately, the passenger had accidentally given him the wrong pickup address. She tried to call the Uber driver, Jason, but... He didn't answer, so he's there, like, looking for her, and she's not there. So he's getting agitated. Right. Um, He was seen driving kind of erratically, and that got the attention of Tiana Carruthers. Um, He pulled over, and she could tell that he was frustrated. He was trying to find this person, and he actually asked her if she was this person, and she said no. Um, And at that point in time, she said Jason just kind of got – beyond agitated to the point where he like pulled up and then like turned the vehicle around and then he pointed a gun out of the car and started shooting at tiana who was with her children damn yeah there's a bunch of little children and he just opened fire tiana was hit multiple times as she tried to um run away but she had shielded the children first so the initial shots hit her because she was shielding the children and then she's trying to run away and he just keeps shooting i mean that's a blessing and a curse like at least she had the forethought to shield the kids right you know um he shot her like something like 14 times did she end up living or she did Um, She at one point realized that the more she fought, the more he was going to shoot. So she had the forethought to pretend to be dead. And so she lied perfectly still and Jason pulled away in the equinox, seemingly believing that Tiana was dead. Neighbors were now in the parking lot complex and 911 calls were rolling in. I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be at that dispatch center because you know you're getting tons of calls a shit ton of them and so as he's driving away from this scene where he just shot tiana he's running red lights swiping parked cars i mean just tearing the shit out of this equinox so eventually he tells his wife that he needs to meet up with her and so they meet up at a family member's house And he swipes cars with his wife. And he tells her that he was driving his Uber and 
there was a taxi driver who got upset because I guess Uber stealing their business. And so this taxi driver supposedly hit his car and shot at his car. That's what he told his wife. It gets weirder though. So he borrows her vehicle, a black HHR. But before he leaves, he says, you probably shouldn't go to work tomorrow. You should also keep the kids home from school. And as he walked out, he said, I can't tell you what's going to happen tonight, but watch the 11 o'clock news. Holy hell. Like, she right. called the cops, right? No. She didn't think there was anything violent happening. Bullshit. So Jason headed back out in the HHR, continuing to pick up passengers. So, like I said, this app tells you what car to look for. So it's looking for a Chevy Equinox. So some of these people were like a little, you know, nervous about getting in the vehicle with Jason because his vehicle wasn't what was shown on the app. But he did um, successfully transport several passengers over the next few hours, most of whom described their experiences later as uneventful. And they described Jason as calm and behaving normally. Meanwhile, 25-year-old Tiana was recovering from critical injuries after being shot multiple times. Thanks to her smart decision to pretend to be dead, she was alive and none of the children were injured. Like I said, that's a blessing and a curse at the same time. Like, I'm sorry she got shot 14 times, but good on her for making sure that those like nothing happened to those children. Yep. At about 10 o'clock that night, 17-year-old Tyler Smith was with his father and girlfriend at a local Kia dealership in Kalamazoo. Uh, Tyler and his father were outside of their vehicle looking at a truck for Tyler. Um, they usually would go and look at vehicles at night because Tyler's dad didn't like to be like bombarded by salespeople because they're annoying. <laughs> so this wasn't like a weird thing for them to be there like in the evening that late um his tyler's girlfriend who was a 16 year old girl she waited in the vehicle because it's february and it's 10 o'clock at night and it's michigan she's like yeah no i'm not getting out you guys look at that truck right the h and as they're looking at a truck a uh, the black hhr pulls into the dealership the driver got out of the vehicle and approached tyler and his father richard smith so we're going to talk a little bit about Tyler and Richard. Richard Smith was born June 9th, 1962. He later married his wife, Lori, and they had two children, Emily and Tyler. As Tyler and Rich looked at the vehicle, Jason Dalton approached. He asked his father and son what they were looking at, but before they could even answer him, Jason just started shooting. He fired 14 rounds, fatally injuring both Rich and Tyler. Tyler's girlfriend hid on the floor of the car to avoid being seen so she wouldn't be shot as well. There were people nearby. Um, you know, there was like a Taco Bell nearby and there were people just driving down the street that witnessed all this. So, again, these 911 calls are rolling in. That had to be the worst night ever to work at the dispatch center. Yeah. Before police could arrive at the scene, Jason Dalton had already driven away in the black HHR. Police were looking for an Equinox based on earlier reports, and they hadn't yet connected Tiana's shooting and the shooting at the Kia, Kia dealership. Remember, these are two different vehicles. 
you know, that they're given this description, but they are saying the person shooting is described pretty similar, but they haven't quite put these two senseless things together. Kalamazoo is not a place with a ton of crime. So these two shootings in the same night, like this is a terrified city and seemingly unprovoked shootings at that you know these victims did not even know their shooter there was no reason there was just nothing it just seemed so random and and odd only 10 minutes after shooting tyler and rich at the kia dealership jason dalton pulled into the crackled cracker barrel parking lot and opened fire on four elderly women and a young girl damn right All five were shot multiple times. The women were old friends who went out together regularly. Uh, It was 62-year-old Mary Lou Nye, 92-year-old Dorothy Brown, 85-year-old Barbara Hawthorne, 14-year-old Abigail Koff. Abby was very close friends with Barbara Hawthorne, whom she considered to be her grandmother, despite there not really being a biological connection. And the two Mary Nyes were sisters-in-law. Okay. After shooting into their vehicle, injuring all five, Jason Dalton once again sped off in the HHR. So, again, dozens of 911 calls are coming in. Now they're looking for this HHR. They've had two shootings within the last 10 minutes. Right. Um, So that's what they're focusing on right now. And they just start pulling every black HHR they see over. Meanwhile, Jason continues to pick up customers for Uber. Just shoot people and just go back out and drive. Jeez. Um, In fact, he picked up quite a few people who had been like paying attention to the news and when he showed up in the hhr instead of the equinox they said well you're not the guy shooting people are you and he they you know they kind of laughed it off like a joke and of course he said no and then later they found out that was in fact the shooter jeez can you imagine no eventually at 12 26 a.m police pulled over jason dalton so this has been like eight hours yeah that he has been driving around kalamazoo killing people security footage from local stores gave a great description of the shooter and helped to positively identify jason dalton as the suspect upon his arrest he was wearing a bulletproof vest with a loaded gun in the holster damn so he was ready for war right who is this guy? Yeah. Jason Brian Dalton was born June 22nd, 1970 in Greenfield, Indiana. He was a married father of two young children. They were 10 and 15 at the time of the shootings. He earned his associate's degree in law enforcement, but had a difficult time finding a job in law enforcement. We've seen that a time or two, too. Yeah, we have. It seems like if they can't be cops, they want to become monsters. Right. He later studied auto body and eventually became an insurance adjuster. Former co-workers described him as a nice guy and a family man. Which, that's another thing we see a lot of is, oh, he was such a nice guy. He was so quiet. I I wouldn't expect this of him. Right. Kind of stuff. There had been some signs. Right. In the past, he had gotten in trouble at different jobs for yelling at customers, being very quick to anger. But nobody ever thought he was capable of 
committing basically a terror attack. I would consider that a terror attack, wouldn't yeah. you? Um, there were people in his family and his close circle, though, that said in the days before these shootings, he had been acting paranoid. Hmm. But again, they didn't. Nobody said he, anything. He had never been violent. He had no no <laughs> criminal record whatsoever. He had never had an order of protection against him. Right. Nothing. This is somebody with a completely on paper perfect life. Right. Which is like something else we find too. Like, not as co- not as common, but if there's more than one or two, that it's just like the squeaky clean perfect person you know right yeah and it just it just didn't seem to make sense like what would make him do this so obviously he got charged with murder jason bryant dalton was charged with eight counts of felony weapon six counts of first degree murder and two counts of assault with intent to commit murder Those two assault charges come because Tiana Carruthers, although she had very serious injuries and required several surgeries and years of physical therapy, she did survive the shooting. When police arrived at the Cracker Barrel, they initially believed that all five victims were dead, but soon they saw 14-year-old Abby moving. Despite being shot repeatedly, including in her head, Abby survived. She, too, would face a long road to recovery, but she had survived this horrific night. Abby's survival was not expected. It was truly a miracle. They thought she was dead on arrival. When her mother arrived at the hospital, she was shocked to learn what had happened. It did appear to investigators that Barbara had pushed Abby down in the car to protect her and maybe possibly saved her life. Um, even though she still got shot in the head. Right. Well, in the ICU, Abby's mother witnessed staff perform CPR on her daughter. And yeah. I don't know if you have ever seen. I know you have, Chris, but I don't know if our listeners have ever seen CPR. It's not pretty. It's not like the, it's not like the movies or the TV shows. It is a violent and horrific scene. And you don't just open your eyes and you're back to normal either. No. Like, that's just not how it works. And, you know, she had to go through the agony of watching them perform CPR on her baby. And just a few hours later, she crashed again. And at this point in time, Abby was pronounced dead. As her mother said goodbye, she put her head to her daughter's body and she heard what she thought was a heartbeat. So I can tell you as a hospice nurse, I've had family say this to me before. Yeah. And most of the time, you know, if you're in healthcare and you know somebody is gone, like you'll listen for a heartbeat, you'll check everything. She was in a hospital setting in an ICU, so they were probably looking at monitors more than listening for a heartbeat. Right. But the monitor wasn't showing anything. So I'm sure the staff was like a little skeptical and just kind of maybe thought they w- she was having trouble. Right. But her mom told her she said abby if you're in there give me a sign and at that time abby squeezed her hand that's awesome staff panicked they rushed to get abby back on the machines she had a shattered skull and doctors had to remove part of the frontal lobe of her brain they also had to install plates to replace her missing bone 
She had a pretty grim prognosis, but she continued day by day to defy all the odds. She eventually learned to walk again and function again. She went through dozens of procedures and surgeries, but Abby, just like Tiana, survived this horrible night. Isn't that amazing? It is very amazing. Like, she is truly a miracle. Yeah, that is a miracle. That, that is definitely a miracle. On February 22nd, 2016, so this is just two days later, Brian Dal- Jason Brian Dalton was charged with the six counts of murder, the eight counts of illegal weapon possession, and two counts of assault with the intent to commit murder. Under police questioning, Dalton was pretty calm, and he eventually admitted to his crimes. But when police asked the question everybody wanted to know, why, he said something that was pretty bizarre and horrifying. He described the Uber app as being the reason he committed these crimes. He said that he saw a devil face on the Uber app, and he claimed that the Uber app was changing colors, telling him when to kill people. Okay. Sounds sounds like an insanity defense. Well, and that's what police thought. They thought he was just, like, manufacturing this to, to say he was crazy and start that. And initially they, you know, maybe they were right because at first Jason Dalton um, did enter a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity. Do you think he was insane? Nope. That was a lot of planning that went into that. Yeah, especially when you're wearing a bulletproof vest. Right. Like if he had just been driving down the road, like with Matt Mellon and like did something crazy, I'd say maybe he went nuts all of a sudden. Right. But this was like planned. Planned. And then, like, telling his wife, you know, don't, wa- like, just look for, like, watch the 11 o'clock news and don't go to work. Com- like, he said, sent signs beforehand. Right. And, like, I'm sorry. If I ever <laughs> tell you don't go to work tomorrow and keep the kids home from school and watch the 11 o'clock news, call the fucking cops on me. Yeah, no shit. Like, it's, j- I, c- I don't understand it, but I, d- I just, I don't get it. I don't know what probably went through her mind of course it probably the last thing you think is gonna happen like nobody thinks that's gonna happen especially somebody like him who had no history of violent crime or violent tendencies at all except for he was like quick to anger sometimes and yelled at people right like that's a lot of people i know so he's saying that you know this uber app made him do it the trial was set to begin on january 7th 2019 But to the surprise of everybody, Jason Dalton suddenly changed his plea to guilty. Recorded phone calls to his family members in the days before and after his plea indicate that he was trying to avoid the media attention. Because, of course, this story hit media and went wild because it's an Uber driver. You know what I mean? It's like one of the newer things. And, you know, you've got the no offense to anybody that falls in this category, but you got the people that think that that's like absolutely ridiculous right like have you ever seen the meme it says in the in the 1980s we were told um not to talk or get in a car with strangers and now we literally pay for strangers to come and pick us up and put them in our car put us in their car so like it was just a thing it was people were terrified i sort of remember this because i remember people talking about like an Uber driver committing murder. Right. 
I don't know if it was this exact story because I'm sure he's not the only one. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know. I seriously doubt he's the only one. But anyway, he suddenly changes it. Um, he didn't want it to be a circus. He didn't want to be on television and people to be watching him and all these other things. On February 5th of 2019, Jason Dalton was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole at any point in time. Good. So he got what he needed. No. A life sentence. Like an ejection would have been better, but at least this way he's not getting out. He will spend his life in prison. I want to know what happened to bring someone with no history to that. Now, the reason he another reason he changed his plea is the um state's investigators that were doing the um like psych eval and stuff pre-trial mm-hmm. determined that he did not meet criteria for an insanity defense. So, that's not to say he wasn't mentally ill, but he doesn't meet the criteria to say he wasn't responsible because right. of it. I just want to know what pushes somebody to change that like that. Drastically. And qu- like quickly, because it seemed like it was like an overnight kind of thing. Yeah. Like it wasn't, or he, we don't know. He might have been planning this for a while. Like he never really gave a why, except for the app. And it makes you wonder, like, is he really insane? Right. But he also fled the scenes. Like if he thought he was killing the devil, if you really believe you were killing a devil or something. Or the devil hex. I don't know. I just feel like you wouldn't be trying to hide it. Right. You know, it just didn't make sense. But Matt Mellon, the original um, passenger about 4 o'clock that evening before this rampage started, um, he made a claim later that if Uber had appropriate customer service available after hours as they advertised, that he could have possibly prevented the crimes with his initial call. To which Uber put out a statement that said, quote, We are horrified and heartbroken at the senseless violence in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Our hearts and prayers are with the families of the victims of this devastating crime and those recovering from injuries, end quote. And then Matt Mellon proceeded to file a lawsuit and settle it with Uber out of court. Well, hell yeah. Like, this is what, I, like, this is what I'm getting tired of is companies – Oh, excuse me, thinking they can get away with just being like, oh, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. Like, thoughts and prayers don't bring six people back. Right. Six, you know, thoughts and prayers don't get the, <laughs> these people healed the way they're supposed to. Maybe prayers, but... And these weapons that he had, he legally purchased them. Right. They were legally you, owned by him. So it's not you, like he was... Right. And you know me, I'm a big... I am a huge two, like, a Second Amendment... A- Act like activists mm-hmm. you know i just don't know what we do with this i don't either like how do you prevent because nobody can predict that right you know nobody can predict when somebody's just gonna say <laughs> quote unquote go and go postal even if they like okay so even if they had done the most thorough background check possible and criminal history check on him they wouldn't have found anything no so how do you pre- like exactly how do you prevent that like gun tr- control wouldn't have prevented this because he would have been exempt from all of that anyway and he didn't use an assault rifle right he used a handgun like i i just i don't it boggles my mind it's one of those things like i wish i knew more about the criminal psychology part of it right that's why I ca- i'm so happy that they're 
talking about bringing Mindhunter back. Oh my god, you guys, if they bring Mindhunter back, we're going to lose yeah, our shit. W- yeah, uh, uh, we're, we will have watch parties. <laughs> um, so, do you agree with that lawsuit? Yeah, 100%. I, do I, we I, think I, Matt Mellon was the appropriate person? No, I think Tiana and, um, oh, what was the other girl's name? Abby. Abby. I think now, I will say that one of the things that Matt sued for was like his um, pain and suffering and it was like in addition to being in this vehicle with this crazy driver which he did deserve compensation for like survivor's guilt wondering why he wasn't killed and they were well and i think it means like just bring it to the forefront that it puts uber on blast being like hey i tried to do like i tried to stop this right like Like, i tried to do you i was on the phone by time he actually got on the phone with Uber, who apparently still didn't do anything because this man continued to pick passengers up all night. Right. Um, he had already shot Tiana right. by the time they picked up the phone. So what would they have been able to do? St- Stop him from being able to take new passengers. Right. That's about all they could have done. But, I mean... Is like deactivate him or whatever, which would have would have been very helpful. Yes, but, but the it, people what, he killed weren't his passengers. passengers. That's where I, that's where I'm looking at it too. Right, I still like, wouldn't I th- have wanted to be the I passengers this, in that car later, though. Right, I just think this was a man that had something happen, like something, like a, a switch flicked on him, and he was just out to murder people. Like he wanted to kill people. It's because so that's what scary. it sounds like it's so scary as a result of this horrific night there's now a system in place um because they recognize that had there been some sort of public alert system for active shooters in kalamazoo that maybe they could have found him quicker and prevented some of this so now there's a system in michigan that's similar to like an amber alert that would go out to like cell phones and stuff if there was an active shooter in the area. So that is now a thing in Michigan. I don't know if Illinois has that, but I know like I got one one time for it was an escape prisoner. I did get one of those. Right. Yeah. I've seen those, the presidential ones. I don't think I've ever seen an active shooter situation. I've not seen an active shooter, but I have seen like um, escape but prisoner like, come across like an Amber Alert. Like knock on wood. We live in an area that doesn't have that right now. Right. You know, so maybe it's because you can localize like where the text message, like where the alerts go to and stuff like that. So, but I don't know if somebody's from Illinois and you've had something like that, let us know. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what Illinois has in place, but it's a great idea. Jason Dalton remains in prison at the Oaks Correctional Center. His wife divorced him right after the arrest. Good for her. Um, so as part of his plea, because he did plead guilty without any promise of sentencing, um, he also gave up a lot of his appeal rights. So more likely than not, Matt, not Matt Mellon, Matt Mellon didn't do anything. Sorry, Matt Mellon. But more likely, Jason Dalton will spend the rest of his life in prison. Well, yeah, that's what I'm hoping. I mean, I mean, he should. I mean, when <laughs> it's life without parole, but on top of that, like I said, he gave up all rights. Well, I don't know if it's all rights. But I'm sure they keep a I'm lot sure. of his rights for appeal. 
right or he gave up so it's not like they can overturn it later and or something right i mean i'm sure he has some little loopholes but i don't think that's something he's interested in he just didn't want that media attention so then that kind of makes you think too if he didn't want the media attention why why the hell did he do it why do it what was the purpose did he really think the devil was telling him to kill people through his uber app maybe he maybe he had a psychotic break that night and that's what he was using to cover it you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. or but like yeah i mean th- what are the three motivations for murder money sex sex and greed and greed well greed is money we're missing one. Oh god but that's like the three M's or something like that. Money, marriage, media. That's it. But he doesn't fit the bill right. for, for any of those. It just doesn't – it still just doesn't make sense. He, he and would I be, don't know how you would ever prevent this. He would be one of those ones that I would go send the mind hunter to go, go figure it out. Yeah. Like what, ma- like what made you snap? When we talk about school shootings and stuff – that usually gets blamed on bullying or something like that. This doesn't seem there doesn't seem to be any reason right for him to be like I just I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense, but if it made sense to me, it probably would not be a good thing. No. If a crazy person makes sense to you, that's not cool. Right. Well, if you guys want to see the references and pictures for this story, you can head over to the blog at www.themidwestcrimefiles.com. You will see all the references at the bottom, including um, the links to the memorial pages for Tyler and Rich Smith, um, the ladies that were killed at Cracker Barrel as well. Mm-hmm. That's That part makes me sad, too. 17-year-old looking at a truck with his dad. Could you imagine having to get that call that your wife or that your son and your husband are dead? Could you imagine being the girlfriend in oh the car? Oh God, ca- no! In the car, I bet you scared shitless. Just horrible PTSD. Right. Like if that's somebody, like somebody that's going to have PTSD, it's that one because it's like, oh, well, holy shit! Right. Oh, it just breaks my heart. It's awful. If you guys feel like supporting us here at the midwestcrimefiles.com you guys can head over to our patreon page it's patreon.com slash midwestcrimefiles go ahead and give a dollar give five dollars get ten dollars whatever you feel like giving helps us keep this podcast going i think we have a live coming up don't we we do we have a live um next week and next week i am on a little uh staycation so i also plan on getting some patreon content out yep well, I think we're done for this this week. So with that, we will see you guys next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.